Hello, movers, shakers, and visionary makers. Welcome to another episode of Under One Sky. You've come here to listen and feel how to build better communities with happy people and healthy planet at their center. I'm your host, Sky Sheridan. When it comes to exploring solutions with the other planetary citizens here, the sky is the limit. And I'm your host, Beth Solberg. I'm here to help our community to share their joy, search their souls, and not settle for anything less than changing the world. I'm Rachel, your co-host and resident pod priestess, here to hear humanity, help raise the collective consciousness, and help our listeners find their spark. This episode is made possible by our sponsor, Panarchy.io, the world's first network design lab, because networks are our nature. Today's luminary guest is Alexi Lubomirsky, a legend in the fashion industry, but also in helping us change the way we see ourselves and each other. And today's episode is called The Power of Perception. It's in the elevating narratives uh, category. We have other topics in our website under onesky.life that you can check out like energy renaissance, emergent economics, evolving consciousness, disruptive innovation, and sustainable design. Want to invite all our listeners to come hang out with us on Discord, which you can also find via our website under onesky.life. Want to hear what you have to say and what you think about the topics we've discussed on the pod. Mm. And if you like the show and us... Why not support us by buying us a cup of coffee or checking out our merch? We've got stickers, totes, t-shirts, mugs. Check it all out on underonesky.life. Today's guest is photographer Alexei Lubomirsky. He became a household name in the spring of 2018 when he was chosen by Kensington Palace to take the official engagement and wedding portraits of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. The images, which were praised for their modernity and grace, generated more than 2 billion views on social media. He is, however, no stranger to glamour. He spent the last 20 years photographing the world's most recognizable faces, including Julia Roberts, Jennifer Aniston, Angelina Jolie, Nicole Kidman for magazines such as Vogue, Vanity Fair, Harper's Bazaar, GQ, and Elle. He's also shot campaigns for brands like Louis Vuitton, Michael Kors, Movado, Vera Wang, L'Oreal, Lancome, and Maybelline. On top of all of that, he's actually a published poet, an author, and an ambassador for Concern Worldwide, the global humanitarian organization. He's a dedicated vegan and animal rights activist, founder of the fashion movement Creatives for Change, which aims to end fur, feathers, and exotic skins in the industry. And in 2014, he published two books. First, Decade, a photography book highlighting the best of his fashion work from his first 10 years as a photographer. And secondly, Princely Advice, for a Happy Life, a book written for his two young sons and on the virtues of being a good person in the 21st century, which was translated into six languages with all proceeds going to concern worldwide. In 2016, Lubomirsky came out with his second photo book and exhibition, Diverse Beauty. It's a body of work that aimed to highlight a broader and more diverse range of beauty than that which is presented in the fashion industry and magazines. And in 2020, he published his first book of poetry, Talk to Me Always, Poetry, Prose, and Photography. And he currently lives upstate in New York with his wife and two sons. So now, without further ado, let's welcome our distinguished guest, Alexi Lubomirsky. Hey, Alexi, welcome to Under One Sky. We're so thankful to have you here. How's it going? Uh, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I'm uh, nervous and honored at the same oh, time. How do you get through things when you're really nervous? Because I mean, you obviously have a lot of huge projects that come up and work with people who I think would, you know, make anyone shake in their boots a little bit if they had any kind of celebrity uh, crushes. Uh, how do you keep it together? Do you just show up or do you, is there a process uh, you go through? When I first started uh, being a photographer, I was... Um, I definitely got super nervous and I was very lucky straight away because I'd worked for this big photographer. And so people gave me opportunities very quickly out of the gate. 
So I was doing these covers of like Harper's Bazaar magazine and, you know, with Jennifer Aniston and Gwen Stefani, all these people. And I was so scared. These, you know, you're given these incredible ingredients, this amazing hair and makeup, this subject, these clothes, the location. And you get to take all these incredible ingredients and then just put them into a stirring pot and mix them up and hopefully uh, it comes out wonderfully. So even if you have zero idea what's going on, you say, yep, we're going to do it this way. And everybody goes, <laughs> we're going to do it this way. <laughs> and everybody's fine with it. So um, That's an amazing setup for the topic today too, because we're talking about the power of perception. And that is interesting that in oh, the fashion yeah. industry, because I remember being on the other side of the lens with you, where you know you have to pretend for the first year as a model to have all done all these incredible campaigns that your agents are lying about and everything because no one's gonna trust you. And you step on set and you're like, you know, from Iowa or something, just come off a field and you're like, okay, oh, what do I do? Just pretend I'm gonna dance like a monkey. And so oh, it's, God. It's, 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 it's hard, I mean, it's, it's so horrific. It was fascinating on a set because People get so used to like this, the, the photographer and the stylist are just so used to models being on set and just doing, you know, getting the putting the outfit on and standing there and doing the thing. And so they would say things without even thinking that this young girl, young guy could be 16 from Iowa, first job, 15, 16. You haven't even developed your personality yet. You haven't even developed your confidence. Who are you as a person? And you've got somebody, the stylist and the photographer going, yeah, the, the, the trousers, the, the pants just don't look good on this model. <laughs> Meaning trousers don't look good. But the model who's 15, 16 goes, I don't look good in these trousers. I'm making these trousers look bad. Trousers, I keep saying trousers, pants. I keep making these pants look bad. And so it's this horrible, and I used to watch this thing and it was it was, it was was heartbreaking for me to see all these these, these, these reactions and how certain things can be said that could crush a person who they didn't even know was listening. So incredible that you working with you was, you know, definitely one of the highlights of my life. You make everything so easy and so comfortable. You as a human being, you're, you're, I don't know how you've kept yourself so humble and in the face of so much success. So basically uh, this clip that I'm setting up for you is called the neuroscience of perception. And um, it's Anil Seth and he's explaining why what we perceive isn't an accurate reflection of real or the externality of our world, how much it is about perception. So the power of perception. People often assume that our senses allow us to perceive the world as it actually is. However, what we perceive is not an accurate reflection of a real externally existing world. In fact, perception and hallucination have a lot in common. Both depend on our brain's interpretation of noisy and ambiguous sensory signals. You could say that we're all hallucinating all the time, and when we agree about our hallucinations, that's what we call reality. Most of the time, we don't question the reality of our perceptions, since most of the time, they seem real enough, and we all seem to perceive the same things. But sometimes this consensus breaks down dramatically, begging the question, what is real? There's an old art history concept called the beholder's share, this is the idea that humans respond well to art that forces them to be involved in making sense of the image, whether we're aware of it or not. Take, for example, Impressionism. Here, the artists are reverse engineering perception. They're trying to paint light, the raw materials for perceptual interpretation. They're not trying to represent the output or the result. Your visual system has to do a little bit of work to perceive, to understand the image. And so, in essence, you are participating in the creation of the work. In neuroscience, we're beginning to understand a little bit of how this happens in our brains. All our perceptions are a kind of storytelling by the brain. And so, by shaping this process, 
Storytelling itself has the power to change our perceptions, so we learn to experience the world in new ways. It's interesting in the beginning when they're finding out that actually the same parts of the brains that hallucinate are responsible for the agreed five sensory world that we put together and how we agree on something like this is a table, this is blue, you know, all of those are actually perceptual. And so when I think about that, it's a really good way to kind of go into the work that you do, Alexi, particularly with weaving a narrative for inspiration and, and being a conscious voice, you know, um, when, of course, there are other narratives going out there in advertising uh, to, you know, there's all kinds of perceptions about body, perceptions about beauty, perceptions about who we are, the status we want to achieve. Of course, this is all wrapped up in the fashion world and, and the narratives that you have to portray as a model or a photographer or, you know, anybody on set. We're all working towards that one narrative. So and in an attempt to help our audience, our listeners, our community understand a little bit more about um, maybe something that's humbled you or humanized you or um, that was something where you were really struggling, but you went through it. And on the other side, you gained strength. I hope this fits within your lines. It's, um, it's uh, about my stepfather passing away. Okay. Um, and he was, uh, my parents got divorced when I was one and he took me on as his, he was a stepfather. He was God's gift of stepfathers. He was like the bee's knees. Amazing. And from age one, he just took me on as his own and he loved me and, yeah, he was amazing. And anyway, so about 11 years ago, he was uh, suddenly went to the hospital. He had a bit of a stomach ache and he went there and he said uh, they the doctor told him that he had three weeks to live out of nowhere. Just like, you know, you, you said you got cancer and it spread everywhere. That's why you've been having these pains. So we took him home, um, my brother and sister and, and I and my mum to sort of, you know, have those last three weeks together. And those three weeks were the most life-changing, informative weeks that have changed the direction of my life ever since into the most amazing, wonderful existence that I now find myself in. Um, and so when he came, he came back, he was a sports freak, like mm. Chelsea fan, cricket, rugby, anything. He had like three radios on at the same time to hear all the sports. And so I said, listen, I'm making really good money as a photographer. I'm going to get you like six TVs. We're going to put them in your room. You can watch all the sports, you know. And he was like, no, no, it's really weird. I, I just, I woke up this morning. I don't care anymore about that. And it, for him to say that, that was just blasphemy. Yeah. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he says, it's so strange being told you're going to die. We all know we're going to die, but being told you're going to die imminently. He said, everything that you worried about in your life that was not important drops away immediately so for him that was things like you know uh, does my uh, next door neighbor have a better car than me uh is my boss an asshole uh what do these people think about me all this sort of stuff this peripheral things we always think about and worry about and he said you're left with the two or three things that are genuinely really important to you so i asked him what they were for him and he said it was he'd spent as much time with his kids as possible he had loved and been loved and he had done charity work in his later life because it gave him such amazing perspective on life. And then me being this inquisitive pain in the butt was thinking, what is he going through? Like knowing you are, that's it. You know, you can look at your whole entirety of your life in one ball. 
And so I went up to him and I said, listen, we're freaking out downstairs. Well, what is going through your head right now? What are, what are you, what's happening with you? And he goes, it's funny. Yesterday I came home from the hospital and I was so angry. I was so bitter. It's like, why is this happening to me? And he said, this morning I woke up with such incredible gratitude that I hadn't been hit by a bus and gone like that. We've been given the greatest gift. We've been given three weeks to be together, knowing that I'm going to go. We can say everything we wanted to say. And he was English. So my mother's Peruvian. So she was much more the sort of Latin chatty, da, da, da. And then John, my stepfather, was this just, just humble, sweet, Zen dude, you know, English guy. And so for these three weeks, we, for those three weeks, we just talked about everything that, and, you know, I had no qualms about sort of telling him thank you for everything. I love you. I want you to know that I love you. And I can't, I want to thank you for being my father. And I want to thank you for guiding me and always being that rock and that foundation. I wrote him poetry during that time. And we talked about, we talked about life and death and what does it mean? And what do you, now that you can see your whole life, what is that? What do you, what do you take away? What's your takeaway? And we talked about, you know, you enter this life as a spirit or a soul and with nothing. And then you leave as a spirit or soul with nothing. So how do you make your soul richer when you leave than when you arrived? Mm. And as cliche as it sounds, we came up with the idea that it's about love. It's about a filter of love. You know, you treat others with love. You, you live through love. You speak through love. It was such a sort of beautiful thing. And he said to me, because again, my, my career was going incredibly and I was traveling all over the world. And he said, just do me a favor. When, you, when you're here on your deathbed, don't be surrounded by a bunch of magazine covers. Make sure you're surrounded by people who love you. So he gave me this gift of what I call future hindsight, which is basically that every decision I make from that time on was based on how am I going to feel about it on my deathbed? And it made my life so easy. Huge. Everything was so simple after that. Everything, any going back to the poetry thing, I thought to myself, on my deathbed, will I regret putting poetry out into the world? Or will I think, thank God I put out some light and love? Mm-hmm. Or will I be lying on my deathbed going, oh my God, how embarrassing. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, it's an easy decision. It's like, you know, uh, you've got a, your first cover of a Vogue magazine or your mm-hmm. second, or your kid's second birthday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easy. When we grew up in Botswana, after dinner, he used to uh, take me out for his cigarette after dinner. And we used to just sit on the porch and watch the African sky watching satellites and, and shooting stars and you'd hear this, this chorus of like the, the animals in Africa and he used to just make up voices oh yeah and that that bird's calling her miss the husband back for dinner and all that stuff <laughs> so now we sit in the garden here and I I can hear all these uh, these noises and I know exactly what he's saying and I laugh at him and I say how are you doing and I say thank you for looking after my children and oh, every day I pray and he's 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 there right up top uh, oh, wow, of the Thank you so oh, much for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah, I really, I that. really reached and opened up your heart. And I would say as somebody who lost my mother early on in my life, um, you just gave me something today that I have not really ever thought about was this reverse engineering from the deathbed yeah. is what I think I do naturally. I just never put words on it until today. Mm-hmm. So thank you for right. that, Alexi. I really appreciate that because yeah. I really do, I think, um, when you witness somebody close to you die, but particularly early on, and if it's a parent or somebody that you really respect, um, you know, the first stages you go through, of course, is like, why is this person taken away? Mm-hmm. But then yeah. you somehow get to a place of transformation, like, oh no, this energy was actually transformed. I can still talk to this person. I can, st- I mean, mm-hmm. I talk to my mom all the time as well. I always thought of it as like passing the baton. 
you know, um, sometimes people, they give you this gift when they die yeah. and they pass yeah. you this acceptance of death or to kind of see past the veil between physical and spiritual. Yeah. Whereas not a lot of people have had experience with that growing up in families where their parents have been around the whole time or, you know, no one's really had loss. So loss does do something for you and gives you a special superpower right. as it is. We wanted to know too, um, is that, do you think that that's how you stay so grounded? I mean, I think, you know, for the average person that sees your clientele, who you work with on a daily basis, um, what, what's that like? And the, is that, is that something you come back to, to stay grounded as a touchstone? And like, you know, I'm sure it, it kind of dominoes down to your kids too. I think, and I think Sky can attest to this. I think when you're on set, you see, you're seeing behind the, the, the big curtain. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I always, laws. the wizard. Laws, yeah, you know? it, it, it totally. And I used to, I remember sort of, for example, uh, my beginning of my career, I was shooting a lot of Victoria's Secret commercials, right? And people, all the guys would say to me, oh my God, you're so lucky, da, 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 this and the other. And I would look at the catalog and say, oh, well, I mean, yeah, these the women look incredible. But I would see them walking onto set and, you know, their backs are hurting because they're wearing these stupid heels and they're walking onto set like this. And, like, oh, no, no. and then they would get on set and then it'd be like, uh -huh. and, <laughs> and so it was like this, you, you realize that it's this whole illusion. It's just, it, we just, it, it's complete illusion. And it's where we, um, yeah, we're just, we're, we're painting this picture of, of this, uh, this idea of fantasy and and um and and want and mm. without I, i'm very dubious about poo-pooing the gift of my career that this life has given me because it is it, it has afforded me a roof above my head i'm able to feed my kids mm -hmm. but as a creative and also thinking about on my deathbed how am i going to feel about what side of the fence i was on I want to be if I can't you if I can't go to work every day and use my photography to make the world a better place, then I've got to try and use the position that that photography gives me to then make a better place. Because at the end of the day, I'm I'm I love my job. I mean, I I can't I, I'm not going to lie. When I get behind a camera, I could be taking a picture of a, 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 a daffodil or the Queen of England, and it's just I I love it. It's just trying to fit this subject into a box and make it look cool, and. I love it. So it's it's a creative bliss. But I also realized that, you know, we are we are creating want mm -hmm. and need yeah. and creating this idea of you'll only be happy if you have this. Yeah. And so I'm trying to I know that that's what my job is. And so I'm trying to, if I can't change it 100%, I'm trying to change things around the periphery, whether it's like, you know, fur, feathers and exotic skins, or whether it's yeah. the diversity aspect, or whether it's just using my platform to highlight anything else. Um, yeah. We did this a project called All Love, where I just take pictures of people who love each other, yeah. like yeah. mothers, fathers, uh, children, and then video them and ask them two questions, which was, what do you think love is, which is a horrible question, because it's such a anything. <laughs> So uh, awesome. The second question was, what do you love about the other person? Which was Aww. so oh, awesome. Wow. The best ones were the mums with grown-up children. Because, you know, they've obviously gone through that period where the, the children have, like, pushed pushed away from them during their teens. And then you have these 20-year-olds and these mums would say, well, you know, I love the fact that you've grown up in such an amazing kid, a young, young man. And, you know, I've always been just, I, everything, you are everything to me. And then I say, what do you, how do you, what do you love about your mum? And he would say something, or he or she would say, 
she's everything to me. I mean, I just, I, I get out of bed and I think about what, how to make her happy. And uh, the mums would just start bawling and bawling because it's like, they, she was like, really? You like me? <laughs> <laughs> and it was so beautiful. And I would leave those shoot days glowing like a light bulb yeah. from all this love. And it was amazing. You know, I was obviously exposed to the illusions of seeing the smoke and mirrors, right? It's about angles. It's about lighting. It's makeup. It's art direction it's location scouting it's i mean the, the, the retouching retouching mm -hmm. editing thank you you know um that leads us so far like i felt for a while i was so far the image of me was so far away from like who i didn't know who i was you know what i mean i couldn't figure out through that whole all of those filters that were going on like who i was what was my real skin what is my real voice what am i right it's kind of lose touch with um reality so i love this idea of perception because if for a while if you're in that you know trying to get people to buy things they don't need right which is what's sort of the engine of of advertising how do you bring that to your work when it is about a perfume that we don't need or maybe a brand that is trashing the earth my wife who is far more intelligent than i you know we always talk about the what i'm doing as a job and what we talk about at home and the, the, the disconnect and she said a long time ago, she said, listen, don't jump off the don't jump off the ship because you don't like where it's going. Stay on and use whatever influence you have to gently tap the nose into a different direction. Mm. And um, so that's what we started doing. And it was, I think, little by little. I can't go into a shoot and say, everybody, we're changing course. <laughs> you want to sell lipstick? No, no, no. We're selling love. <laughs> We're selling, we're selling authenticity. Take that exactly. makeup off. Show us. Yeah. Julia Roberts, I'm sure, would show up like that because she's super. Yeah. Great. So, so, but you just do little. It's like chipping away at this, uh, just little bits you can. And so, for example, I remember we were shooting lots of. Uh, I, I went there. It was a big cosmetic company, and you know, you sit around this. You're doing these pre-production meetings around this huge table, and there's like 30 people there, and they're all talking about the marketing and this, and they're talking about this picture you're going to take. It's going to be like whoever's the top supermodel of the day, let's, you know, let's say it was a Gigi Hadid, for example, running down the street and she's, you know, in New York City street and she's got this lipstick, but she's carrying this, she's got this fur coat over her thing and she's drinking out of this, this water bottle and she's a successful, right? And so I remember the first job I did with them, I was like, okay, you know, okay, do this. I don't want to rock the boat yet. Yeah. Second time I got and when I got returned, when I returned, then I said to them, listen, because you have to remember, you are there for a reason. They they respect your creative input. They they want your juice, whatever it is. And they're used to being directed. I think a lot of them, right? Like a, yeah. a lot of them need direction or want direction. Yeah, yeah. right. And so you're talking to these creative directors, and I said, listen, I, you want this girl to be cool and of today, right? I just don't think a girl of today is going to have a plastic water bottle. She's going to have a she's going to have a, a metal one, you know, because she care. Cool girls nowadays they care about the environment. And she probably wouldn't have a fur coat because really, you know, we all know how they're made, don't know. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There we are. We want to, we want to get the cool girl vibe. So let's okay, drop the fur coat, drop the plastic bottle. And you walk out and get you walk out there and go, Oh, wow, that was that was great. That was cool. So then uh then it comes to the, the, the diversity aspect. So, you know, constantly trying to push the dough. Now I have to say it has flipped a lot. It definitely needs still more work, but back in 2016. I was doing, um, you know, when you're doing an editorial for a magazine, they'd say, it's a one girl story. What model would you like? 
And so I'd give a list of 10 girls to see who was available or whatever. And they'd go through the list and say, oh, we love her, but she's a little bit too ethnic for this one. Or we love her, or she's too curly hair, too many freckles, too this. Too, she, or the, the funny one was, um, she's not dark enough to make a statement. Mm. Really? Yeah. I mean, and you're, and you're, you're listening to this going, wow, that's, those words actually came out of your mouth. That's kind of, well, insane. <laughs> And so you're left with the two Caucasian girls at the bottom of the thing, yeah. at the list. And so I would be the annoying guy that I am. I would speak to the editor-in-chiefs and say, so why why don't we put a darker-skinned girl on the cover? And they say, well, we've done this research, and we know we sell 40% less copies of a dark girl on the cover. And I say, oh, that's interesting. Why do you think that is? And they go, well, they're not used to seeing them on the cover. I say, so why do you think that is? And they go, well, because we don't put them on the covers. <laughs> I said, oh, and why don't you do that? <laughs> and I said, why don't you do that? And they go, well, and then it came to like the, 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 the moment where the horrible truth of what they were thinking came out. I said, why don't you put them on the covers? And they go, well, you can't really do high fashion on ethnic girls. I was like, ah, interesting. Okay. Perception. So, Perception. Have you, right. It's never so been like, done before. It? Like, it's so crazy. Oy. Yeah. So I would say, have you tried it? And I would say, so I said, well, listen, why don't we do the next story with, you know, let's change it up a bit. And they're like, ah, oh, just not for this story because, you know, whatever. So nobody was going to give me this opportunity. So then I came out with this book called, a photography book called Diverse Beauty, where I did this whole, we just did like three or four days of every different kind of beauty you can imagine. And as I said, the way I explained it to people was, if an alien came down and read a magazine 2015 a fashion magazine they would think that the the idea of beauty the range of beauty is from here to here mm -hmm. when you go out to the street the range of beauty is from here to here mm -hmm. and it wasn't represented so i just said listen i want every ethnicity every body shape everything that people said was too freckly or too large or too brown or whatever it was let's celebrate those twos well let me go back so a few days ago, I was having a conversation with a friend and we were talking about um, some of the patterns, not all advertising, but some advertising is geared toward um, creating a story that women in particular should be a certain way. And that actually, if you aren't that way, it's your own fault. You know, there's something wrong with you. You didn't do enough of, you know, the right fitness plan. You didn't do enough with your makeup. You need more expensive makeup. It's always more expensive. Um, you know, so we were, we were going through how psychologically it's, it's very unhealthy, you know, for women and for men, because then that also, you know, traps men into a, um, into a box as well. And what they think is acceptable. And, um, so then we got started on this, on this conversation about the different types of beauty that we see in our lives and the kinds of men and women that we encounter who maybe don't fit the, the typical mold, maybe the white girl that everybody is, is, you know, photo, um, taking photos of, but um, is there a way that advertising and um, photography and all of it, is there a way that machine can be, can be positive, can lead to more health, can lead to more happiness? I mean, I love that you took the, the opportunity um, to create this book with diverse beauty in it, because you call those inspirational and aspirational images, you know, where we can celebrate the reality of the beauty that exists just because we are alive and breathing, you know? Um, so is there some other way that advertising maybe could be used to create more health, um, maybe a healthier society even? 
Yeah, and I think it's just it's just slowly breaking down. And I, I think that honestly, we there is there has been positive. I don't want to sort of bash the industry. Yeah, there has been positive. Mm -hmm. I yes. think in 2020, 2020 was such an upheaval of everything. Yes. Because everybody had to stop and people started saying, hang on, this system sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and so things like the diversity factor, the, the, I mean, because of BLM, that really kick-started kick everything. Um, you know, all the magazines were like, hang on, we do need to, we're going to get called out tomorrow. Yeah. If the, pitchforks, we don't. the pitchforks are coming. The pitchforks <laughs> are coming, right? And we're going to get called out tomorrow if we don't change, if we don't really look at our workforce, not just the models we're using, but also the stylists we're using, the people in the creative direction, all these things. Right. And um, so they were forced, kicking and screaming, to sort of make these changes. And I keep telling people, listen, relax. Just yeah. do the best you can. You're never going to please everybody. You will get called out for something. But as long as you feel in your heart that you've done the best you can, and uh, you, you know, accept the fact that you're not going to you're not going to get a hundred percent score right every time. Yeah. But every time you make a positive choice, it's going to send a ripple out there, and it's going to be it's going to it's going to change somebody's life or change somebody's life. But it's going to affect people in a positive way. There's so less, so many less recognizable commercial models now being used. Now it's all about yeah. Who is the, the casting is going to be? Let's go out on the street and find people. Find totally. interesting yeah. people. I was going to say yeah. Instagram changed everything. I mean, particularly in the yeah. modeling world, I couldn't believe it was so weird coming from the age of like, you know, when we had to do, you, you'd set up with like Polaroid, you know, like you would do the shots before digital era. You know, this is what I come from. So having moved into Instagram where then it suddenly was like, oh, regular people we want like just average every day they have got charisma do they have talent you know are they showing some kind of unique urban side do they have a story we want to now all of a sudden hear from models which was like before it was like you're just a living hanger show up and do your job and tell a story from within don't talk so right much i think you just touched upon a word which are talking about perception a question that i love asking people is what is luxury what should luxury be? What should luxury define? And you look at all these luxury items, right? This luxury bag made from crocodile, this luxury boot made from snakeskin, this luxury fur, blah, 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 blah. And you think about the word luxury is supposed to be this positive thing, but actually so much of what is luxury is has a story, a bloodied story behind it of pain and torture and, and, and injustice. Surely we should change the word, the perception of the word luxury to meaning ethical. You're paying, luxury means expensive, right? So you're paying extra for exclusive. sustainability. Exclusive. Exclusive, exactly. So you're paying for, uh, you know, the fact that you've not taken away from the world, but added to the world. So I'm going to hop in just real quickly because we explored in the beginning of this that I'm sorry, but I followed her first. Uh, <laughs> I do. I mean, she's been a big part of this conversation already, but um, I do want to chat about your wife, Giada, um, who you can all also follow on Instagram at EcoShaker. Everything about your guys' story. And I was telling Sky kind of offline too, that as somebody who's also kind of letting their own poetry come out, I was like, oh man, like now I wish we had done something. It's a whole thing. But <laughs> Rachel's, our, Rachel's our resident pod priestess and she yeah. usually reads poetry in the beginning of our show to set up space, like a prayer, so cool. hold space for intention of authenticity, vulnerability, connect real true human connection. So we didn't do that today. I also love the word pod priestess, which is so cool. <laughs> I know, isn't it great? And uh, you will be reading for us too today. So we're, we're making space for that instead. And you know, you're the, you're our shining star today.
I did just want to chat on your wife who is amazing. Um, so of course, like we mentioned earlier at Eco Shaker on Instagram, for those of you who are ready with their phones, but you know, you guys do speak on activism and, and you post on things that are near and dear to you. Um, but what, you know, what's that process like? Because I think you've touched on it a couple times today already, you know, the world that you you work in and then the world that you want to help create so what you know what are the things that call to the both of you the most how do you work through that process together how how do you balance that jada is empathetic to the nth degree she feels injustices as if they've been done to her so if there is pollution in the amazon by a big oil company who don't give a shit she feels like that's been done to her and she will as if it's been done to her child and she will you know if something's been done to your child you will you know move mountains to to uh to put it right and so she is that she is she she has she takes on these things that other people including myself i mean i'm not ashamed to say that she has much more of that sort of that drive than i do i'm much more able to to turn a blind eye because i simply don't know how to even hold that amount of it's it's too big it's like I, I don't even know how to process that problem but she takes that on and it's it's I'm, I, I'm so glad my kids get to see it because it's uh to show that you can't just turn a blind eye to things because they're too big so and she she has this amazing sort of drive she's I mean she's magic I mean she I, mean, I don't mean that in a cheesy way she literally is magic she she um for example, I think it was like 2017, we were, she's, as I said, Cuban Italian. So uh, we visit Italy sometimes and we were sitting on a beach in Italy that year. And she was distraught by the fact that there was so much trash everywhere on the beaches. She's like, oh God, these people, why don't they have trash cans? Why don't they do this you know, set of a system? She said, I'm going to do something about it. And I was like, ah, oh, I know those words. You know, I've heard that before. <laughs> Something's going to come to fruition. And two days later, we were standing in the office of the, the president of the National Parks of Italy. And she was dressing him down, basically saying, you need to, you know, you are doing this wrong. The, you know, all the reasons why you're doing it wrong. You, you rely on tourism, but you're letting trash on the beach. You're doing this, this, this. Why do you, why aren't you doing this, X, Y, Z? And this guy, Paul, bless him, he, he started off the meeting, like, sort of just charming and like, oh, great, uh, I speak it to the tourists. And then he, <laughs> at the end of it, he was leaning back in his chair with his arms folded saying, anything, listen, if you can do anything, we will put all of our services behind you. And so we walked out and we were quiet in the car and I was like, okay, wow, that was intense. And then we went and sat on the beach again and she was looking out to the, the sea and she goes, it's going to be called Basta con la Plastica, which means enough with plastic. Yeah. Basta I was like, what is Basta. And she goes, Basta. she goes, the, the whole thing, I don't know what it's going to be yet, but it's going to be it. And one year to the week later, she had organized Italy's first ever Ocean Awareness Week with screenings, beach cleanups, 40 volunteers from all over the world coming in, uh, uh, talks, conferences, all this stuff. And it was so inspiring to watch. And it was, I mean, talk about glow when you see somebody who is, you know, you love and they're doing this thing, seeing her in her element, talking to all these volunteers and just seeing how she inspired these people. You know, these people who just thought, I'm going to volunteer and I'm going to stay in a hostel and I'm going to clean up some beaches. They went there and they left you know, with a whole new mission in life. Must be so nice to have um, 
someone in your corner who has their priorities, you know, in the right way. Mm -hmm. Cause I think I see so many couples where it's like, you have the superficiality of like, wow, she's so amazing. And then, you know, she's like, I love shopping at Fendi and all I do all day <laughs> is like get my nails done. You're like, you look so, I talked to like the most incredible, you know, page six people last night and you're like, cool substance. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> and we talk about this whole like, line we want to do is called like ecosexual, like, yeah, you're hot, but do you actually farm? <laughs> you know, like, like show us your show us your real sexy side because that kind of stuff. Like somebody who's passionate, an advocate, who's real, who's fighting for what's right. Man, that is just something that's so sexy about that. I'm sorry, that to me, yeah, is yeah. real beauty. You know, again, you don't want to get to your last days going. Did I use my health? Did I use my energy? I had legs that worked. Why wasn't I marching? I had, you know, a voice. a voice. Why wasn't I shouting? I had a platform. Wasn't I? Wasn't I you know, spreading? We're gonna jump forward into uh, you're a poet. You're a writer. You just said that that's, you know, your creative outlet and something that is really near and dear to you and that you've experienced all through your life, for good or for bad. I think mostly for good. Because <laughs> uh, in 2014, of course, you had Decade come out, and then Princely Advice for Happy Life, which is my all-time favorite how did you start your writing process it was you said it came from early on but like when did you know that you actually could express in this way it, it was you know since birth. It, was, it was it was like that, that so i always had a sort of hankering for it and it wasn't until i sort of really allowed myself to say okay you don't just have to be a photographer you can do other stuff creatively and then I would just, again, Virgos, we love a project. Once I finished my work and the kids were in bed, I would start writing and doing poetry or putting books together. And um, and as I said, it's an utter joy to, to be able to do stuff. And you, you know, you get, you get hit with these things. I, there are many different ways to be creative. Some people can just sit down and say, I will be creative today and something will come to them. I'm the complete opposite. I have to be, I have to be struck by lightning. Like some idea is going to come in and just it's organic. When you're creative, as I say, you can walk down the street with your friend who maybe is interested in something else like math or accounting or whatever it is, science. And you walk down and you see this dog splash through a puddle. And they see a dog splashing through a puddle. You see a dog splashing through a puddle and <laughs> paintings, art, you know, yes. music. And you're able to alchemize the mundane everyday things into something different something beautiful your prince book i mean this is such a cool project obviously it comes from you're touching a little bit on the fact that you are for some of our listeners that might not know a real live prince from <laughs> from, from a, a lineage in in poland and we were all having discussion before we got in the call actually we're like do we call him like you know by his title do you want yeah him? i didn't see any bowing going on i have to I, say you were practicing curtsies you know there was some of that going on sorry um, our bad <laughs> but what's we can so edit it in afterwards it's fine yeah. yeah and we actually alexi we didn't even know if you were comfortable because we know you don't put in your bio and if i mean you put it in your book for sure but and of course your whole book is called you know princely advice so you are kind of announcing mm -hmm. to the world that in fact you did learn you know that you had this royal lineage and that you opened this door to nobility um and that you know must have had a lot of um responsibility come with it astonishment i don't know like what it's like to even be uh a prince so maybe you know this is what you've given to us is this princely advice and then kind of <laughs> into it the idea was if i'm not here tomorrow these are all the things i would have wanted to tell my children 
like about and it's about romance it's about charity chivalry etc cetera, etc cetera. and they know about the history but you know we're living in 2022 right it's not we're not riding around horses and castles anymore um and i think it's important to know where you come from but at the same time put it into context of what you're living in mm-hmm. and so that was that was my biggest issue when i was growing up that uh, the two worlds didn't meet you know there was you had to sort of the old the old idea of this nobility which was all about this duty and honor and history and what was taken from us in the wars and blah 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 mm-hmm. and then i was living in 1986 watching top gun for me it was like how do we awaken the prince in, inside all of us in a way you know which exactly was really cool. it was just a, and so basically using the the title in that in that book which i hadn't really done ever before was simply a way it was a hook to for people to buy the book because all the money goes sure. to charity for the books yeah. But then it was, I realized it was also a, a hook in terms of a common thread of like, you know, when you when you think of um, the the uh, the characteristics of a prince, like you know, you think of like the 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 charming, the 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 we charitable. Think of you. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we think of you, Alexi. What what did you want to read for us today? Carl? Considering what we've been talking about, um, it's called "Change Must Come." What is this restlessness that I feel? like an autumnal leaf waiting to fall, knowing that I am one with the tree and knowing that I will soon feed the earth below. I feel the change that must now come to pass, feel the cosmic continuity in which we live. We are but raindrops in a raging river, each of us forever evolving within a larger oneness. So how can a single drop of water make effective change? Are we powerless atoms within an infinite universe? slaves to a greater plan or helpless leaves on a mighty oak can each of us make a difference cannot an atom give birth to a galaxy or a slave change the fortune of future generations does not each leaf end up nourishing its lofty parent this is the change that i feel within today i will be the raindrop and i will be the atom today i will be the seed that gives birth to the forest of everlasting change so that's it Beautiful. Chills. Wow. Oh, thanks. Wow. That was fantastic. I well, in your reading, you asked, you asked about effective change. Is there something our listeners and our community can do um, for you or for your family to help um, create change in a way that would be meaningful to you? For my wife, I think that you just have to follow Eco Shaker to find out what cause she's working on next and then just throw your weight behind it. <laughs> there it is. Okay, got it. Um, <laughs> Because she's the one, I mean, she's the, I always say to her that in, in, in any war, you need all the different people in the army. You need to have the sniper, the foot soldier, the diplomat, the general. Um, and I'm, I feel like more of the diplomat and she's definitely more of the general who is also on the front lines at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, my one, I just brought out this book last week called uh, What Are Words Really? Okay. And um, it's a new kids book for uh, four to uh, four to eight year olds, I think. And all the money goes to charity. So all the money goes to the charity that I'm ambassador ambassador of called Concern Worldwide. But yeah, so so if 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 your listeners are looking for a good kids book, it's called Water Words, really, and it's basically teaching kids about the uh, the power of words and the responsibility behind them, realizing that words are like. I mean, it's funny because you talk about how words are spelt. Does that mean that words are spells, you know? And because mm. so, like, I talked to my my yeah. youngest son, my youngest son, because I'm English, and we always sort of uh, berate ourselves. Like, 
I say, listen, I say to him, listen, I'm really boring, but, and he goes, no, no, daddy, don't say I'm boring. Okay. You don't <laughs> say that. you're not boring. And it's that thing. One of the pages in the book is saying, instead of saying, I can't say, I can 10 times in a row, and then you will see your confidence grow. It's all rhyming. It's all about perception. Uh, something we ask every guest to, and hoping that you can grace us with one more bit of wisdom. Uh, something that you think that we can add to our toolkit to help our listeners build better communities. Building community is really about building trust and building connection. Mm. In order to do that, you have to accept other people. And so my, my, my kids always tease me because whenever we talk about this stuff, apparently my, my favorite saying they tease me about is that everybody has a story. So for example, you know, he said, oh, you know, this kid was bullying me at school today and da, da, da. I'm like, okay, okay, that's great. So it's, I, and I'm sorry you felt that way at school and that sucks. And how does it make you feel? And then we go into, well, listen, you know, everybody has a story. And, and you told me last week that that kid was getting bullied by his elder brother. So, so understanding where people come from and why they might be acting in a certain way and giving them the allowance for that. Not saying to disregard the pain you're going through and sort of allow that, but just to understand that we all have a story. We're all in a different stage of our journey. And that's what this whole podcast is about, where we're exploring what it, kind of communities do we want to be part of particularly with the breakdown of institutions and distrust and, you know, major leadership going on right now. So we're trying to figure out how do we get people to, you know, ourselves, what kind of communities do we want to put together and what qualities? So you just gave us trust and acceptance, which I love. And that's going to be great words, as you mentioned, to add to our community building toolkits. So what you've shared today and how open you've been and you know, not just in what you do or your story, but just everything that you're trying to do for the world to just thank you. And I've always, I've told this to this guy many times that he is a massive inspiration to me because he's always been like this ever since I've known him. And, you know, I'm I, again, different level of the path. He's, he's, he's like sort of, he's onto a different path already. He's already got to the edge of the path and jumped onto the next one. And so I'm just playing catch up. So it's, uh, it's, it's really, it's really cool to be, sort of uh involved in in all of your gangs stuff so we're moving onwards and upwards as a community together and we'll see you in the next episode as we continue to explore ways to build sustainable and self-reliant sovereign communities putting happy people and healthy planet at the center of our conversations thank you again alexi for joining us today we'll put all of the links to, um your books your work so everyone knows how to find you and get to you and reach out to you we all need more of what you're bringing into the world so thank you for sharing that with us and thank you Absolutely. beth and rachel for being with us today too we'll catch you on another episode of under one sky